This week's episode is brought to you by Henry and Lafitte Merchantile. Garments made in America and inspired by the happiest place on earth. Go to henryandlafitte.com, that's L-A-F-F-I-T-E, and use the promo code CADETS and get 10% off any order of at least $50. That's henryandlafitte.com. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And this is the end of our, our look at the Westcott. Wow. It's Just been three parts. Have we done a three parter before? Um I don't know if don't we have actually. So. Maybe once last season, but I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because we but done so much it. and we covered so much. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't even remember what we did back like in season one or two or three or four, for that matter, actually. Yeah, or b- longer than a month ago. Yeah, basically, yes. I'm lucky okay. I remember we did Let's Cut last week <laughs> at that point. Well, your brain is filled with too many, with cobwebs and spiders and pumpkins. and It's that time of the year. Witches' hats and stuff that's like that, right? very true, very true. There we so, go. In order to get me quicker to that time of the year, let's just go through the end of this segment. It's time for Disney History! So, for the last two episodes, we looked at what Westcott could have been, and then ended on what caused the downfall of it. So, what was it? Well, it was actually a lot of things. Uh, Caltrans, the California agency in charge of the highway system, was anxious to rebuild the Orange County section of Interstate 5. So Disney wanted part of this reconstruction to drop people directly into their parking garages, so they were pressured to uh, they were pressured a bit to announce their plans. The entire master plan was released in May of 1991, and city and county government officials fell in love with the idea. They knew what an expanded Disneyland resort would mean to the city. Estimates suggested that more than 27,000 new jobs would be created and 38 to $46 million in new direct tax revenues to the Anaheim General Fund. But local business owners were not pleased. In fact, they hated the idea. So when the master plan was released, they saw that many of their businesses were on the land that Disney planned to use. Obviously, none of them agreed to that. (laughs) Apparently, no one even contacted them about it. So Disney needed the city to acquire about 100 acres for parking structures and other uses, but in turn, that would leave a lot of these businesses destroyed. And on top of that, Disney needed the city of Anaheim to make a substantial public investment, not just in commitment to help move these businesses, but also a lot of money. The first figures were around $880 million. The money would be mostly for land consolidation and infrastructure improvements, but the city was strapped for funds. That didn't stop Disney, though, like it ever does. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the fall of 1991, Disney's PR machine started to get fired up. 
So Disney went directly to the US Congress to try to get $400 million to pay for carpool lane ramps and the parking structures. The claim was that the garages would be demonstration projects of Space technology being applied to automobile parking. I don't even know what that uh, means. No. Yeah, a lot of fancy talk. Who knows? Uh, also, the streetscape plan was unveiled. Uh, campaign contributions were increased and more lobbyists were employed. By December of 1991, Disney began to realize that many hurdles remained before they could even begin to move forward. Developing a project of this magnitude in Southern California was an expensive and highly complex endeavor. By 1992, plans for Westcott were already being downsized. Sections were being uh, cut out of some of the lands you know, to make them cheaper. Not helping matters was the incredibly poor start of Euro Disney in Paris. Although Disney claimed that the two projects were unrelated, Roy E. Disney was quoted as saying, Clearly, Euro Disney is making us think twice about a lot of things. Hashtag thanks Euro Disney. <laughs> so by the end of 1993, Euro Disneyland was on the verge of closing, and things were just not looking good. Uh, the Imagineer who was in charge of the Disneyland Resort expansion, Kerry uh, Hun Hunwell, stepped down, putting another crimp in their plan. Uh, the project was already a year behind schedule, and it wasn't looking like it would start anytime soon. So by this time, Disney's appeal to Congress for more money for the parking structures and carpool lanes had failed miserably. The request was bumped down to $223 million over the years, but the federal contribution was limited to uh, $17.5 million. The state of California tossed in $60 million, and Orange County paid another $36 million. This was not even close to what they wanted, obviously, and Disney was starting to get cold feet. The community's opposition to the project was ramping up as well, and that really wasn't helping matters. By August of 1994, even more things were being cut. Disney decided to cut the number of new hotel rooms from 5,000 to 1,800. Disney didn't want to repeat the overexpansion that they did with Euro Disney. All of the financial forecasts had to be thrown out the window and the already precarious public funding unraveled. Even if the city of Anaheim raised the transit-oriented tax, or TOT, from 13% to 15%, it wouldn't be enough to help fund the project. So other factors came into consideration as well. In the early 1990s, Las Vegas was on the rise as a family destination. Sort of. I still don't see it, but I guess it's more <laughs> yeah. family-friendly now than it was in the past? I, I don't know. Um, plus, the land acquisition costs were beyond Anaheim's ability to raise funds. The projected cost of land purchases was $50 million at a time when the city budget was running at a $20 million deficit, and much of the redevelopment agency funds were tied up in the $17 million used to purchase the land for the Honda Center. And by January of 1995, Westcott was dead. The funds needed for the once highly ambitious project were just not there, and they were not going to materialize. Eisner still wanted to expand, however, albeit in a much cheaper way. And we all know how that went. So, yeah, in the summer of 1995, uh, Eisner called a three-day summit with his 30 top people. And during one of the brainstorming sessions, somebody asked the question of where people go after they visited Disneyland. And the answer was other destinations within California. So, of course, the light bulb lit up, and Eisner is quoted as saying, California, now that's a big idea. <sighs> so, from that meeting, a new management team was created for the $1.4 billion project featuring Disney's California Adventure Park, the Grand Californian Spa and Resort, Downtown Disney, 
the Mickey and Friends parking structure, and various supporting facilities. Leading the project was Paul Pressler, Disneyland president, and Barry Braverman as lead Imagineer. Eisner suggested that they take a good look at the recently rejected Disney's America project in Virginia and to try to build off of that. So these scaled-back plans for a smaller expansion in theme park pleased the city in Anaheim, who in turn also scaled back its plans as well. The city raised the bed tax and expanded the Anaheim Convention Center and worked with Caltrans on significant improvements to the 5 freeway, including a Disney exit ramp. Thunderbirds were completely go for this new, smaller expansion. Of course, a lot of people in and out of the company hated the idea, but it had a lot of support from the higher-ups. And defending the decision to proceed with Disney's California Adventure, Disney legend Marty Sklar said, I prefer not to spend six to seven years of my life on something that's already been done. So he shared Walt's dislike for sequels. He felt that Westcott Center was conceptually cumbersome and was already said and done in Florida. Like Walt once said, you can't top pigs with pigs. So many thought a, th a park based on California had a great deal of merit. Uh, people come to California to see the sights, but they're literally all over the state, and some of them you just can't get to. So by replicating some of these things within the theme park, it would be a one-stop shop for tourists to visit things they wouldn't normally see. And of course, as you know, it, we got what was uh, Disney's California Adventure Park, one of the worst flops in Disney history. Thankfully, it's much better today, but back then, it was a pile of junk. Yes. So an alternate view is attributed to another Imagineering legend. When asked of his opinion of Disney's California Adventure, John Hench, 65-year Disney veteran, said, I liked it better as a parking lot. Zing. <laughs> Thankfully, as you all know, Disney recently plunked down $1.5 billion to fix many of the problems with DCA 1.0. Buena Vista Street is gorgeous, but every once in a while, I kind of wish we had gotten spaceship, spaceship Earth. I don't know what space dip is, but Space Station Earth. Wow. Instead. Man. And that was a mouthful. Could have been great. Could have been wonderful. Exactly. Could have been. So, so we'd love to know what you think about Westcott after our gigantic three-part series on it. Would you have liked to have seen it? Did you see any of the plans? Do you know? Were you in on anything? Let us know. Give us a call on the Communicore Weekly Hotline at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. He's a nerd. He's a geek. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. So this week's book is probably Disney's signature release for the year. Every September, every fall, they tend to release one gigantic book and hope it's going to be the big Christmas hit of the year for Disney geeks everywhere. Uh, and this week's book is The Walt Disney Studios, A Lot to Remember by Rebecca Klein and Stephen B. Clark. I, it um, just dawned on me the play on words for the title right there. I've been reading <laughs> How many times it for have you read? Weeks. Have you looked at it? <laughs> I am such an idiot. So it's either A Lot to Remember or it's A Lot to remember, like yeah. a studio lot. Eh? Uh, eh? You see what they did there? Yeah, uh, so that's boy. that's the basic theme of the whole book. Yay. <laughs> um, so it is a gigantic, uh, usually I call these coffee table sized books. It's very large format and has 10 chapters and about 155 or 160 pages. So it gives you a good idea. It's their signature glossy title. For the year celebrating the studio which they just celebrated their 75th anniversary of being at the burbank location 
pretty exciting. Um, and the book does exactly what you'd expect it to do. It takes you through the history of the Walt Disney Studios. It does start, you know, talking about Walt leaving Kansas City and starting the first studio in Kingswell. Uh, well, I guess in Uncle Robert's garage. In the garage, and then moving yeah. To Kingswell and then moving to Hyperion. Yeah. And then finally getting to the uh, Burbank studio as well. Uh, fantastic photos. It's gorgeous. Really good layout. Um, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. Now, I'm not saying it's not a good book. It's not what people are going to like. Oh, wait a minute. Did I say that right? It's not. People are going to like it. People are going to yeah. like it. People are going to like it. Uh, but I don't know. I didn't like the way it was organized, and I would have liked to have seen it done a little bit differently and really take us inside the studio because the book does talk about the studio and how it changed, but not really the physical plant. It's more, here's how we did animation, then here's how we did live action, then here's how we planned for Disneyland, and then here's what happened after Walt died. It was almost like a promotional piece for the book. I oh, thought, that's it was a just kind of like broad strokes. Yeah, very broad strokes. Let's take a look at the history of the entire, uh, all the big projects that are going on at the studio. And I mean, granted, you know, Jeff and I, along with many of the cadets, are pretty much on the nerdy side when it comes to Disney stuff. And I was super excited when I opened the book. And some of the first couple pages, they actually take you into. You know, they give you a description of the Kingswell studio. There's a little drawing of it. Then you get to see the Hyperion studio and, and how it gets a little bit bigger. And then that's really it for taking you inside the studio. Yeah. I really would have yeah. loved to have seen more photographs and pictures of people at work and what the animation building was. And uh, I will say, guys, there is a not safe for work moment. And I don't remember what page it's on. But there's a picture of the sun deck. Oh, yeah, here it is. Oh, page, man. Page 40. Um, there are guys covered in towels, and one of them is barely covering himself. So keep your eyes closed. Clothing optional sun deck, which Rolly has yes. talked about a few times with the nuns across the street watching them. So I uh, think Exactly, exactly. It's so, a part of Disney history, folks. you got to deal with it. <laughs> it is, it is. So, so I don't want to be too negative about the book. It's gorgeous photographs, great layout. It's a good general history. I guess, like you said, it's almost like a PR piece. I saw. I read some of the reviews somewhere that somebody said the best part of the book were all the photos of the Disneyland attractions being built on the sound stages, but the rest of the book mm. was just basically fluff. And I would mm. tend to That's agree with that. I mean, yeah, we get yeah. some great looks at the the studio that we've never seen before, but there wasn't a lot of, I don't know, information. I don't know. I don't know if if there even more. There's if there is more information about it out there. It just wasn't what I was looking for. I guess it was great to see the photos, but I wanted a little more history. I guess. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. It makes a lot of sense, and you know, I think people are going to find different things in this book. Um, the hardcore Disney enthusiasts and the armchair Disney historians, because um, you know I haven't read that book yet, so I don't know how to be a Disney historian. Yeah, yeah. They, they're not going to find as much in here. People that are new to the company or new Disney fans or really just like the theme parks, I think they're going to enjoy it because yeah, it's going to it's yeah. going to teach them a lot about the company, a lot of stuff they may not have known otherwise. So you know maybe maybe this is a time to go to your local bookstore and look at it before you buy it. That's a good point. Maybe yeah. maybe sure. <laughs> yeah we'll see. So okay, so this week's book was the Walt Disney Studios: A Lot to Remember. Sometimes it's a one. Sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break.
Continuing our theme of awesome cadets, uh, Cadet Brandy sent in an awesome video bathroom break the other day that we wanted to play for you guys. Now, don't worry, it's not what you think. She's actually just exploring one of the bathrooms on the Disney Wonder cruise ship. So we thought we'd play the audio for you because it's fantastic. So take it away, Cadet Brandy. Hi Jeff, hi George, it's Cadet Brandy here and I'm on board the Disney Wonder. They are getting ready to go into dry dock and I just wanted to show you guys my favorite bathroom on board, which is gonna be gone here shortly. This is down in the Route 66 adults only district and there's a couple really unique things about this bathroom that I thought would be perfect for a communicore bathroom break. So I'd love to show you those. That sign there is the only sign on board the Disney Wonder bathroom sign that has their traditional man and woman figurine. All the other signs on here have the sea lady and kind of captain dressed man, but this one to go with the theming of roadside restroom actually has a roadside restroom sign to it. And there's a fabulous hallway down this way. And we'll be going to the ladies room, obviously, sorry. And it's actually outhouse themed, which is really, really cool. You can tell here by the moon in the wall, starry night ceiling, tile flooring, and a favorite for all cadets. <laughs> Flushing on your own terms. Bye, Jeff. Bye, George. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. The Tower of Terror in Disney, uh, Disney Hollywood Studios is a treasure trove of goats for us to plunder. So, for example, there is a sign in the queue advertising a show by the one and only Anthony Fremont. Now, that was actually the name of the six-year-old in the 1961 Twilight Zone episode, It's a Good Life. Uh, the one who uses telekinetic powers to terrorize the town. And I think the Simpsons did a parody episode yeah, of that. Yes, they did. Treehouse, didn't they? Well, the Treehouse of Horrors. It was yeah. wonderful. Yes, it was. I wonder if he did, like something with that for his show that he was putting on there at the tower huh some or what kind of show would he put us on that's true he would probably take us off of the air or he would make us actually do communicore weekly Ooh, maybe he already did maybe that's why we're doing it now oh we have no idea wow okay so um the winner of this week's year of a million or so limit time cadets prize winner again is anthony fremont what crazy what? congrats anthony that's 250 45 days running <laughs> no so seriously weird. uh so we've, weird we've hit that part of our show where we announce the winner of our year of a million or so limited time cadets and each week we're giving away a prize and uh if you don't know how to enter well, i'm gonna tell you right now email communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name and address because we need to know where to mail this to you mm -hmm. and only got a few weeks left to get the uh, get your name in to win a prize they're going quickly they're 15? going quickly 15 it's 15 i think it's 15 i yeah. think it's 15 yeah. Whew. wow that's crazy. So, all right, Jeff, so take it away with this week's winner. So, this week's winner is going to get a Communicore Weekly prize pack, and the winner is... Oh, wait, I, I disagree. This week's winner is actually going to get a copy of Drinking at Disney by oh. uh, uh, Drunky and Rhiannon. I totally forgot. I'm so sorry about that. Now, wait a minute. Um, we might not be saying that name right. It might be Drunky. Drunky? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of confusing. That's true. Anyway, we reviewed it on episode 244 of the show. We both loved it. Uh, yes. You guys should... If you don't win this week, you should go out and purchase it because it's fantastic. Yes. Um, anyway, so the winner of the book is Michael D. from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Ooh, Congratulations, Michael. That was a we good tie-in to the goat, too, with that Simpsonville. That was, right? Boom. Wow. Nailed it. That was I didn't pretty even good. think about that. 
Yeah, that was pretty good. So, okay. Well, thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. Yeah, and thanks to Bamboo Forest Publishing for providing oh. a copy of the book for us to give away as the prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, however definitely. you listen to the show on YouTube or on iTunes, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and you can always email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to tell us how much you loved buying your own copy of Drinking at Disney. You can also like us on Facebook.com slash Weekly and also leave us a comment there and, you know, show us a picture of the book. Exactly. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Periscope. We'd love to see a photo of you with the book. I'm at Imaginerding. He's at Jeff Heimbach. You can also call us on the Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. Leave us a message about the end of the show or your own review of the book. Ooh, that's even perfect. So you can always visit communicorweekly.spreadshirt.com to buy an awesome t-shirt to wear while you're reading Drinking at Disney. I was really wondering how you're going to tie it into that. Okay, yeah. yeah that's that good. All right. If you want an official cadet membership card or a sticker to put on your own copy of Drinking Ooh. at Disney, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. Yes, and as always mentioned, you can visit patreon.com slash Weekly to find out how to support the greatest online show, or you just buy a copy of Drinking at Disney and tell them we sent you. Exactly. That'll exactly. work. So, for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.